I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. In this podcast, we chat about the win against Birmingham. Look ahead to Norwich and answer your podcast questions. This is the Board Breakdown podcast, and this is Oli Bora Mashed Chatter in a pod. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Board Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We're the Board Podcast that gives you all of your Board Match Day chatter in a podcast. And Middlesbrough have won six games in a row. Yes, we have. I can't believe it. I'm actually stunned. Where <laughs> were we at the start of the season where it was all going wrong and you know we've seen it was a disaster and how funny football can change, isn't it? And now Middlesbrough comes to 13th in the table with two points off the playoff places. And we're getting there, slowly but surely. Um, but guys, your key takeouts as always. Uh, Dana, another win yesterday. We left it a little bit late, but what was your, your key takeout from yesterday? Um, I think my key takeout from yesterday, it's not a thought that I'm 100% on yet, but I feel like Borough might just be approaching the most balanced version of themselves under Michael Carrick because there's still improvements to be made, of course. I think we saw yesterday that there's maybe elements of our finishing that need to be improved. But I do feel like we're getting towards a team that are good going forward and good at the back as well. And we haven't really seen Borough be good at the back under Michael Carrick. So the fact that we have picked up three clean sheets in succession is really, really good. And I just want to see it a little bit more because obviously coming off the back of the Birmingham game yesterday, in which I do think, if anything, to improve on, it's our finishing. But I do feel like we're getting there. We're getting to a really balanced, refined team. And if maybe next week I'm 100% on that, then I feel like that's very good for Borough going forward in their climb up the table. We were very gung-ho last season, very good offensively, but not so good defensively. I think if we just have that balanced team, keep an eye on us because, yeah, we could rise up the table some more. 
Absolutely. And Tom, what's your, your key takeout for, from this week as well? My key takeout is that that kind of confident feeling around Borough is creeping back in at the moment after um, after the recent form that we've had. I'm not going to lie, after after the end of last season and the start of this season, it, it had kind of started to die away and it was like, don't really know what we're going to get. And it, it was it was a lot different to the majority of last season where we could go to the Riverside and be like, we're going to win today. It just depends kind of by how many. Or for away games, it was like, this is weird. I'm actually confident for an away game. With the form recently, and I think especially getting three clean sheets in the last three games as well, that is starting to creep back. And, and now it's like looking at, at it optimistically and thinking, like looking ahead to the, the calendar and think we can beat them, we can beat them. Which at the start of the season, it was just like you, you couldn't kind of really see, uh, see a way out of it. And obviously credit to Carrick, the coaching staff and and, and the players for, for kind of sticking with the plan, knowing that we were on the right tracks and, and getting through it. Yeah, it does look like we are on the we are on the right track. I mean, the the form is is fantastic. And it's the last time we won five games in a row was I think it was twenty sixteen, I wanna say. Um so please someone fact check me on that. But I definitely think it was twenty sixteen in, in the championship. And you know, we are just looking really good at the moment and I'm happy about it. I think my one key take-up for me was probably how pressing is getting a lot better. And uh, I think that obviously if you look at like the, the data like in the PVDA, you kind of say, well, we're actually, yeah, I think it's our second best start last year. I think it was like six passes until we we, we won the ball back, um, which is our, lowest, our second lowest this season. But I think overall, I think it was getting a bit more better and better each week. You can kind of see that was, like Danny was saying there, on being more balanced. Uh, Tom, I think like the confidence there on like the the three clean sheets in a row, but also four and five, and it's just slowly but surely slowly coming together. And I'm really happy that it is. And you know, Borough fans are really happy. You can feel that confidence. And just I said, I know I said to you guys and um, yesterday, but I kind of I feel like I love this team more than I probably have in a long time. I think it's just like I don't know what it is. I just feel like there's just a bit of a, a decent connection now. I feel more confident with this team than I have maybe on like Karanka where Karanka if I knew we were going one nil down we wouldn't have a chance whereas this one I'm just like even if we do go one nil down I'm like oh we probably will get something here um and it's just it's just really nice uh to see but let's talk about Birmingham because it took us to the 88th minute to get that winner with Morgan Rogers and a little top walk over John Ruddy to to seal a Borough's win but then what was your overall assessment because we had a lot of chances just didn't seem to be our day and we finally found a way yeah, it was a funny game to summarise, actually, because I think <clears throat> in some aspects, Bora were good, but then poor in others. For example, we create chances, we dominated possession, and I think because of that, we were relatively untroubled defensively. In fact, Birmingham's XG was only 0.25, which is the lowest recorded XG of any championship team this weekend. But we only had one goal to show for the good aspects of our performance. So I think if you're looking at an improvement from one game to another, looking at the Norwich match, you're probably looking at our finishing and in part our delivery of balls in behind because it was a bit delayed at times, which resulted in a lot of offside, which was kind of frustrating. But even despite that frustration in the second half that I had towards our final ball and probably our quality within that, I genuinely believe that we were going to break through at some point. I mean, did I expect it to be that late? No, 
But when that went in, honestly, it's rare to see scenes in the East Stand, but there were scenes in the East Stand. So much so I've lost my lip balm, which is like people say, well, it's only lip balm, but I am an incredibly dry human being. I'm like SpongeBob and Patrick in Locked in Sandy's Dorm. And I'm very sad that I've lost my lip balm. So it's probably somewhere, I don't even know where it went. They probably yeeted off into the West Stand for all I know. But it was very, very good to have that moment. And I feel like because there was this slight prickly part of the game, they were like, I looked to my left and there were fights breaking out like between the away fans and the and the home fans obviously separated of course and there was a bit of an edge to the game I think because of that I think it was that release of the frustration that was built up in that game that was so so sweet and Bora deserved it you know their dominance in that second half it was incredible really the possession that we had the chances that we created the amount of times that Jones was on that right hand side was incredible how Birmingham were giving us that amount of space was insane but it was coming and I'm so, so glad that in the end we got that goal because I think previously we wouldn't have and it would have fizzled out and we would have been looking at a nil-nil draw. So another big character test passed there for Borough that we just stuck with our game and we managed to get that goal in the end. It was brilliant. Yeah, it, it was. And for me, it was a very chaotic game, I felt, as well. That first half where it was a, bit end, it was a little bit end-to-end, but there was quite a lot of turnovers um, in, in possession um, there was a lot of space, but also Borough really occupied that really, really well. I was a huge fan of Dan Balasser in that first half. I thought he has no right to be that good and more comfortable on the ball and being able to spray a ball left to right. And the more I see Dan Balasser, the more I just get impressed by him. And I really enjoy him as a footballer. So it's just nice to see him do well at the moment. And yeah, Borough were creating a chance. We were getting the, the rub of the green. That second half as well, I thought when all the subs started to happen, it felt like, uh, oh, this game could go a little bit flat. And, you know, when you make too many changes, uh, it, things don't really work out, but they did. And obviously Rogers scored. But Tom, like we, we did create a lot of chances uh, yesterday. Sometimes it doesn't always go your way, but we did find a way in the end. How big of a result is that for Borough? Because given the amount of chances we had, sometimes, like Dan was mentioned there, you don't always find a way, but Borough did. So how big of a result was that for Borough? I think it, it could be quite big in terms of the, the confidence that the players can can take from that game. It seemed frustrating for, for the entire game. I think I, I summed it up to one of my mates as like kind of a a stubborn performance from Birmingham because for the most of the game, it looked like it was only going to go one way, but they were just kind of like still hanging on and getting up the other end occasionally. And I mean, they, they did look good on the ball, uh, especially when Dembele had it. So when he got taken off, I was, thank God for that. It's Oliver Burke coming on. But um, <laughs> I, I thought Ruddy had an absolutely fantastic game for them. I, I always kind of rate him as a, as a keeper in, in this league. Not so much, you know, when he's kind of got up to, to the Premier League, but for this league, he is a top quality keeper. And he obviously kept them in the, in the game quite often. But the, the fact that we were kind of able to keep going keep hammering at the door and eventually get that get that winner late on that just goes to show kind of like what we're doing is working and it, it will work if you kind of continue to to play that way I think if we'd have drawn that nil nil going into Tuesday there might have been I, I, I don't even want to say there'd be a knock in confidence because I think Carrick has been quite good in managing that and kind of setting a, a kind of philosophy in, in the team to just kind of think about the next match and like forget about the the last one. But it is possible that after that you think well, we created so many chances but we couldn't score. Like like what what's going on? Is it gonna happen again? 
but the the fact that you know we eventually did get the winner can put that to rest. It could have easily been about three or four, if not for for John Ruddy, and you know they can take the confidence from that game and and take it on to on to Tuesday. On that, and also we, we've seen it over the years where I think, especially under Crank, where we'd see a goalkeeper have a worldie uh, every single week, and you know he couldn't find a way. But last year, though, we were able to blow teams away in the strike force that we had. All the goal contributions we had from Giles and, and Akpom and Archer and Ramsey. Yesterday, though, we, we had 14 shots in the box. Two, we missed two really big chances. Yeah, obviously, we just found a way. But the comparison I want to make here, Tom, is that like last year, we were really good going forward. We, we were always finishing the chances that we had. Our conversion rate was amazing. But this year, it doesn't seem that we're that as clinical. So is that a little bit of a worry for you, maybe, as we look a little bit further ahead in the season that our, we're not as clinical in front of goal than we have been previously? I, I wouldn't say it's a worry just now. But it is kind of like in the back of my head. Obviously, we've just we're on unbelievable form at the moment. So, you know, whatever we're doing is working. I will say I didn't think Corbin had a good game yesterday. I'm not going to be one of these people who was like on the the T's phone and after the match going, he's not good enough for the championship. Kind of like basing him on on that one game. Like he's done well in other games, judging on on his link up play, and obviously he's uh, he, he got the got the goal against Watford. Um, I, I don't think it's it's necessarily like a, a problem with him over the the course of the last few games. But I think the thing is for me, neither Corburn or Latte Laugh at the moment are as clinical as Akpom and Archer were last season. So in terms of replicating that conversion rate, at the moment, I don't think they're the the guys to to do it. It's good that it's being shared around the rest of the team, and like you know, Rogers is chipping in with a goal. McGree's obviously been banging him in when when he's been playing. It's good that we've kind of shared that responsibility out. I'm hoping that as soon as Latte laughs up to speed and you know has kind of fully settled and gets a run of games in the team, that he we maybe can kind of coach that composure in there. Uh, the goal scoring into him. I mean, he, he's clearly good at it from what he's done at previous clubs. It just seems at the moment he's got all the attributes, but he'll get himself into the position. And like as we saw against QPR, like miss five one-on-ones and, and stuff. And Corbin might have these games. He's still a young striker. He's not the finished article yet. So un- unlike last year where we've got a player in Cameron Archer who went for, what was it, the Sheffield United? Like 20 million or something? And and Shuba Rakpom, who's obviously went to Ajax for, for 12, these players aren't the finished article yet. And it's going to require sharing it around the team a, a lot more to push forward and continue to be clinical. But then at the same time, if we're now starting to keep clean sheets, which is something we couldn't really do last season, then that might help balance it out. Absolutely. And I think on Josh Corburn... It's an interesting one, Dana. I think last year we, we've had a statistical anomaly in Chubarakpom, you know, scoring 29 goals. Normally, if you're looking at Dara from a longer piece, you'd go, well, I'd probably discount that because that's just a one-off. But obviously, recency bias in football is is definitely a thing. And, you know, Corbett's leading the line. He's, he's led the line for the last few games now. And yesterday, he might have been a little bit off than what he has, we have seen previously. But what was your thoughts on his performance yesterday? And what's your thoughts on him leading the line over the, the last few games? Well, I thought he was poor yesterday. His touch just evaded him. I think his hold-up play, he struggled within that. But the thing is with Corburn is he is a, a talented young player. And I think emphasis on both, both of those descriptions there, talented and young. I think with that talent, a young player will sometimes struggle to really show that because they're young. You know, he is a very raw player. And 
in regards to the conversation around is he good enough to start for a championship club? Well, Stephen Schumacher at Plymouth obviously deemed him ready because he was all set to go to Plymouth. I think it's an interesting one with Corburn, though, because I think it's pretty obvious he would not be here if Borough brought in a striker. They were going in for Tom Cannon, didn't get him, and then obviously things switched and all of a sudden Borough pulled the plug on that loan deal. I've always said about Corburn, whenever the question's been asked on this pod of like, should he be a part of the team or should he go out on loan? I've always maintained the belief that he should go out on loan. I reckon things might change in January. I know Carrick came out recently and said that he's happy with his options up front. I think it's clever from Carrick to give confidence to Corbin and Latte Lath, but I think in the back of his mind, he won't be. I think he'd be looking at a, probably a, another striker to bring in, not just for like quality, but for numbers as well. So I think that will probably change. For now, he's leading the line and unfortunately you're going to get these performances where okay his finishing isn't particularly great I still do think he is a good finisher although based off that showing yesterday maybe not so hot on that at the moment but he is a talented player he just needs that trust I think and I think it's incredibly unfair for fans to fully write him off he probably is good enough to start for a championship team but I think there are obviously levels within this division Hence, maybe why it was Plymouth that he was looking to to go on loan to, who are a good team in their own right, but I feel like they'll be a bottom half team, whereas I feel like just based off wanting to improve off last season, Borough will have aspirations and ambitions to get into the playoffs. So, yeah, maybe as Borough's level increases, maybe we'll start to see Corbyn struggle a little bit just to match that. But I like him and I want to see him... I want to see the confidence remain within him and, and hopefully he will gain that or regain that if, if in fact he's lost it against Norwich because they have two very slow and quite frankly poor centre-backs. On the, I just want to hear your thoughts on the, on the, on the knee-jerk reactions there, to be honest. I know because uh, you were on the BFCT's phone yesterday, uh, as as per usual. And, you know, naturally in the stands as well, there's always a frustration. For me yesterday, I, I was saying to Matt and I was saying to Tom uh, Muldowney as well, we we, we, we have a like, nice little board breakdown corner now <laughs> in the north stand. It's lovely. I was just saying I would have probably took him off at half-time yesterday because I thought we had a lot of chances there to... To really break the deadlock, I thought he could have done better with a header. I thought he should have really broke the net with a one-on-one, and it just seemed it just wasn't his day yesterday. But the bigger picture of it, he's still very young, and also he's he's still a potential talent. And sometimes I feel like data doesn't really help him. I think because I see a lot of him sometimes where you watch him off the ball, he's just a bit of a havoc for the defenders. You know, he's just a big kid, and also just like he's he's horrible in terms of he'll stand on your feet, he'll make things a little bit difficult for you. He'll stand offside, make it a little bit confusing for the defenders. And his link-up play from time to time is good. But one bad performance in football creates uh, a very strong emotion. Um, but what were your thoughts on it yesterday, Dan? Obviously hearing that he wasn't ready and, and not up to scratch for, for Millsborough this season. Yeah, I think football has or football discourse has a big problem with sensationalism. Like I said on Tease yesterday that he was poor today, but he's not a poor player full stop. And I'll echo that on this. I think Corburn is a good player. He's shown it in, not only in the youth levels, but he's shown it stepping up to men's football as well with that loan spell at Bristol Rovers. I think what we saw from afar in that is that he started really well and he just petered out. And I feel like that probably epitomises a young player, really. I think he is a good player and he will have a good career ahead of him. I just think that he was poor yesterday and that's all it is for me. 
but football fans are, are very emotional, aren't they? And sometimes quite irrational, and they can't really separate that emotion from their opinion. But I, I like Coburn. I just thought it was poor yesterday, and that really is where it kind of ends for me. Yeah, fair. And Tom, like, would you obviously I want to hear your thoughts on the knee jerk reactions, but also would you like to see like a laugh come back in the fall now against against Norwich and all those two slow centre halves, which 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 Norwich have like a laugh just seems to have speed for days. So would you like to see like a laugh come back in, and also like just thoughts on Coburn as well. I think it would be a, a good time to to bring him in. I think that match suits him. His performance when he's came off the bench in the last couple of games has been good. I think he's deserving of it. And I think that's why you have the squad as well. Carrick was saying in his interview yesterday, like players who are on the bench will come in and play a part in, in other games and stuff like that. I think that's why, why you have the squad. So rotate it for Tuesday. Uh, again, this is not me saying... Coburn's not good enough and should be taken out the squad altogether and, and stuff like that. It, it suits like they laugh. Coburn didn't have a good game yesterday. Like they laugh's done well off the bench the last couple of games. He's earned that chance, in my opinion. Yeah, in terms of the the knee-jerk reactions as well, I'd, I'd absolutely agree with Dana and that football really does have a, a problem with that. The amount of conversations I have with people when like Borough are on bad form and they're like, oh, our squads like bottom half and we've built like a relegation squad and stuff like well hang on we, we look where we were last season like these players don't become bad overnight like people can have a bad game and that's all it was for me yesterday for Coburn is he's had a bad game Latte laughs had two good games off the bench that's why it should be a change on Tuesday but there's going to be other games I'm sure where Coburn will come off the bench and, and have a cracking game and probably earn his place back and Again, that's why I have the squad. That's why I have two strikers battling out for that that one position, really. Yeah, you want to have options, Don, don't you? And if we can have one more striker, then that'd be absolutely perfect if we can do that. But yeah, I'd like to see Lighty Laugh come back in as well. I thought he just caused a lot of havoc yesterday. Um, I really enjoy him. I just I just think when I watch him, I was going, you honestly have probably the most weird strength I think I've ever seen. You're able to like knock people with a lot of six foot three, six foot four off the ball, just ease. Um, your ability to run out players is really good. Hopefully that you can just nail that finishing because he has everything there to be a really good signing for us this season and the next couple of seasons as well. But it wasn't him that got the winner. He did very, very well though, like I laughed to to bring the ball forward. Lays it off to Rogers. Rogers plays a horrendous ball um, to Crooks. <laughs> and Crooks, you know, helped us again. And Rogers uh, just put it back in the back of the net. But Dana, how did you feel when Rogers put Borough ahead and, and so late in the game? Because the stadium, like, it erupted. It did. I had a, a flashing glance over to the north stand. And honestly, the limbs were insane. I mean, we all love a, a late winner, don't we? And it was weird because there were a few points in that move where I thought it had kind of gone from us, like it fizzled out. Latte Laugh does well initially, and then I think it might have been Sanderson pokes the ball away from him. It's then the on-rushing Rogers that comes back onto it. And then that ball, he said himself in the interview afterwards, is probably the worst ball he's played. And then even after that, when Crooks manages to hook the ball back in, I thought, ruddy has got that. Like, he's going to collect that, smother it, end of move. So that tiny little toe poke at that very near post, brilliant. Just absolutely brilliant. And um, I don't know if you've seen, there's a, there's a video of the celebrations. Some guy runs onto the pitch, right? <laughs> Paddy McNair just pushes him. <laughs> and he's what? like, no. Honestly, I'll have to I'll have to link it to you. But yeah, there's a there's a shot where Paddy McNair like literally just heave pushes someone back off 
the pitch because he's ran onto it. I, I um, saw it in then... real time. He, he actually Did like, he, he didn't go straight off the pitch. He tried to get in the way of uh, Tom Banks, the photographer, and he pushed <laughs> him as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God, shithouse island. Tom Banks, uh, Paddy McNair, shithouse island. <laughs> shithousery. Well, I was going to say the limbs in the, in the last time were brilliant. Uh, me, living and Matt were apps, just couldn't, we were just like jumping up, down, hugging. We like nearly fell over the, the row in front of us, and it was brilliant. Absolutely loved that. that Dave ball went off up. it as well. He yeah. made a point oh. of letting me know afterwards because I, I wish I had a Dave cam just to see how he celebrates goals, but he went, I actually jumped up, <laughs> he said. <laughs> and I gave him a hug. I don't usually give my dad a hug. We give each other a high five after every Borough goal. We gave him a hug. I don't know why, just felt. <laughs> quite like notable that late goal like we've obviously enjoyed late goals but there's just something about that one in particular that just felt I think because of the emotion during the game it felt particularly sweet yeah Tom how was it for, for you as well see when when we're just putting the back of the net I'm, I'm assuming you you stood there and nearly cried with with with, with sheer joy uh nearly lost my voice from shouting f and get in but um <laughs> Yeah, but that was about it. That, it was just such a such a sense of relief that that we'd finally got that goal. I would say relief probably played into Morgan Rogers' celebrations as well. Just after that first pass that he played, it was probably like, thank God Crooks managed to to hook that one back in. Yeah, definitely. Well, speaking of Crooks, Dana, he's propping up again. You know, another goal contribution. Why has he been so effective in this role? He always seems like he just crops up and just gets a, a really good uh, chance or score to bore in, in those key moments. So how is he so, so effective in, in that? Yeah, it's called Clutch, Johnny, Clutch Crooks. But ah, I yes. think it's just because he's he's just such a good team player and I think he's got a very good understanding and awareness of his teammates and of their runs. Quite often you'll see him try to slip Isaiah Jones down the line or try to combine with him in some way. And I think Borough are really reaping the benefits of previous coaching of that. Sorry to give Chris Wilder a lick of credit, but we've obviously gone back to seeing that little connection between them two and it works. It worked back then and it's working again now because Crooks is basically the core cornerstone of that he's just got such a good link up with Jones and other teammates as well he's very unselfish he had that one moment yesterday where he just delayed on the ball on the counter and then the move fizzled out and that's probably the only thing that he did wrong really that was of massive note but I absolutely love him I think he's like honestly I I'm getting close to like with Crooks, like kind of George Friend territory. Like I'm going to create a fan page for him tomorrow, I think. Call it Crooks Army 25 or something. But I absolutely love him. And he honestly just comes up with the goods quite consistently. And he did that again yesterday. And thank God for those long legs of his to hook that back in. And it was brilliant. He's just a fantastic player, Crooks. Very, very important and very effective in this team. Yeah, you've heard it here first. Everything MFC is coming back. Um, it's coming back. It's coming back. Um, bringing it back. But in terms of obviously that we're talking about like the final thing now and just on Birmingham, Tom, uh, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on them as well. Obviously, lost XG yesterday. Obviously, new manager and Wayne Rooney in charge as well. Um, Do you have any like thoughts on how they were playing yesterday? Because it felt to me that they were a little bit lost. Yeah, I mean... I didn't really know what to expect from them this season. Obviously, all, all I had to kind of go off was what Gab told us on the, the last show. I've not really watched a lot of the championship while we've been on poor form because I just won't watch the AFL highlight show while that's going on. It surprised me that they were so far up the table because they never usually are. That probably says a lot for 
the fantastic away following that I thought they had yesterday as well, because I've never noticed Birmingham bringing a lot of fans to the Riverside. So that probably says a lot about what they've been like in, in recent seasons and their previous ownership and stuff. In terms of the the actual team performance, I thought they looked all right in, in flashes. Obviously, they, did, they didn't really create much, but Dembele was a standout player for them, along with uh, John Ruddy yesterday. One thing I did kind of note myself was that they seemed to be kind of quite aggressive in chasing the ball down um, and and the fans were really kind of encouraging them for that. There was one point where I think, I can't remember who it was, might have been Greenwood on the left-hand side in the first half and like one of them made a sly tackle that didn't need to, a bit over the top and like cleared out for a corner and he got like a a big round of applause from, from the Birmingham fans. Obviously, Rooney's been brought in with that whole no fear football target. It seems like that might have been what they were trying to do. I don't know if they've pressed that aggressively in previous games and had the crowd on the side that much in in previous games, but that was probably about the extent of the positives I can give them. Uh, I think a lot of their fans acknowledged on Twitter afterwards that they were extremely poor. And like I said earlier, it, it only looked like the the game was going to go one uh, one way. And if not for, for John Ruddy, that could have been by quite a few. I'd have been interested to see what their play style would have been like if we had managed to get two or three. Because would they have crumbled or would they have kind of kept on with, with Rooney's plan? But um, yeah, it, it seemed a bit of a confusing decision to, to get rid of Eustace. And it seems even more confusing now after after yesterday. And obviously Rooney's trying to get him to learn a new play style. Yeah, Dale, what's, what's your thoughts on Birmingham as well? Um, I'm keen to kind of bring you in on this one. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, I was really disappointed with them, to be fair. I was asked by Football League World in the build-up to the game to give a player or two that I was most wary of. And I actually said Miyoshi, who came off the bench, he, he didn't start the game and he previously has been because they've played with that number 10 and really switched it to a 4-3-3. And I just don't think it worked. Like their threat was reduced to Sariki Dembele and that was it. And I, I, I will say that when he was dribbling at Dale Fry, I was kind of fearful, but they were overran in midfield they basically offered nothing and you know Stansfield up front who's probably been in really good form for them was pretty much anonymous so yeah I was disappointed with Birmingham but yeah it's it's quite interesting isn't it that they obviously parted company with John Eustace that got them into a really good feeling a good position I don't think Rooney is a particularly good manager I think his name precedes his managerial ability so it'll be interesting to see really how they develop under him if they do but it was probably a good time to play them, to be honest, just given that yeah. changing system and, and newness, really. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think on them yesterday, I just wasn't particularly impressed. I could see what they were trying to do on the break and get get Middlesbrough on the counter, especially from corner kicks, which I thought was very interesting. You know, leave three players up and try and mm. get the ball out to... You probably knew how and... shit we were from set pieces. Yeah, but the, the the interesting thing was they were doing that and then Middlesbrough were picking off that pass from Ruddy straight away because they knew what they were going to do. Um, we outnumbered them anyway from a 4-3. And by the time that they released the ball, everyone was running out. And then Mills were on the ball again. So they're completely out of shape. And it was felt a little bit chaotic. And then there was like, well, you've kind of just, I don't know. I, I just didn't feel um, right for that. But they were trying to do different things in terms of trying to get the ball out. Why try to feed Dembele? And uh, it just, for me, it just didn't really work yesterday. And I also thought, why is, is Gardner playing? I thought he'd retired about 10 years ago. Um, and uh, I was like, I, why, why is he? I was going to say, I feel like Birmingham always have a Gardner playing for them. Like, I think it's yeah. just a Birmingham tradition because I don't even know if this is the same Gardner who was playing there like 10 years ago. But like you say, he's been there forever. Which one yeah, was it? It was like, Gary, right? Uh, yes. Craig's the yeah. one that's retired. Yeah. 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 And I thought, well, he, I thought he retired, but you know, here we are. And um, but yeah, Miyoshi as well. Then like he was at Antwerp last year, and he was so good. I really enjoyed him, and I couldn't believe they got him on a, on I think it was a free. I think they got him on as well. Um, of all things, and I was like, wow, what a great signing. And then he got done by Dale Fry, and I was like, oh wow, that's that's quite embarrassing. But here we are. But let's move on. Let's move on to podcast questions now. Ah, yes, podcast questions. Every week you get the chance uh, to send us a question uh, by tweeting us at Bora underscore breakdown, email us at theboarbreakdownhotmail.com or by joining our Telegram chat with 360 Bora fans chatting everything but Bora. And if you're in that group chat this morning, you would have seen my We've Got Options Dawn t-shirt, which I do have on, but I actually decided to put a hoodie on because I was actually getting quite cold. Um, so <laughs> here, here I am. Uh, but the first question uh, to this from Jonathan, he says, the way Carrick has dealt with Lath Rogers core Balasa, Rav, Engel, and now Jones led us through Boris' bad patch. Is getting clean sheets and goes back to winning ways. Does it show he has the credentials to be a top top manager? Oh, who wants this one? Uh, Dana, you can have this one. Do you think he has the credentials to be a top top manager? I don't really know, but then I thought about this. I was like, I don't really have an argument against it. To be honest, I think the way that he is as a manager, how he deals with like the press, for example, he's very, very measured. And I think that is a really good point of note with him. His winning percentage with Middlesbrough is actually 54.17, which is absolutely fantastic, really. And he's negotiated through a really rough patch and he's seen the other side of it. And I think that really rough patch in which Bora had poor form, I think has really shown that Carrick actually is a good manager beyond all doubt because he's obviously saw the other side of it and Borough's form has turned good again. So, yeah, I think he, he could well be. It's easy to say that with managers that previously had fantastic careers as a footballer, but I kind of am of the answer of why not. Yeah, and I think with managers as well, it's like you're only as good as the team you have and also the the staff around you as well and how a club is. It's all very contextual, isn't it? From what we've seen, though, like, like I said, he's been able to refine things, he's changed things, and he's not been uh, afraid to go back to what's working, I think, which is really good as well. So definitely has all the credentials, I think, as well. But it's just a case of let's give him more time. He hasn't even been at Millsborough for a year yet. So there's still a long, long way to go for, for Michael Carrick. But 
you know, really impressed with him and his team around him has just been fantastic as well. But the next question is from Katie. says, what have we been doing better defensively to keep three consecutive clean sheets? Obviously, sport four and five. Tom, obviously, we, we talk a lot about refinements and the 1% differences and trying to, to make an improvement. Obviously, a lot of it sometimes is subject to, to players and what their decision making is. But what do you think we've been doing better defensively to try and help us, you know, make those margins from last year? To me, there's a couple of things I've noticed and I don't know if one of you want to kind of weigh in, in on this as well, but it seems like we're defending narrower at times and kind of pushing teams more to the outside and forcing them to cross. Uh, I think especially in the the last couple of games, especially Sunderland, where I'd said their main threat seemed to be running out of defence, yet they were trying to like whip balls in and they're all going to Dill Fry's head. It did seem like that at times yesterday as well. Like As soon as teams get to a crossing position, our centre-back seem on top of it or um you know there was there was a point when Dembele had it and um you know Fry had to go out to cover uh Smith ran in behind to cover uh, and like block any potential cross it does seem a little bit more organized in that respect and also I think from from a, a perspective of playing out from the back when we re- uh, win the ball like outside our own penalty area for our, for example it seems like Hackney and Barlas are dropping a little bit deeper to give options to play out, and and we seem to be a little bit calmer in doing so. The example I have from yesterday was Lucas Engel winning the ball at the left-hand side of our box, and then in front of him, he obviously had Greenwood who dropped back, but then also Hackney in the space, and Barlas and not far away from Hackney as well. Uh, I believe we did get out of danger from that position. So... I don't know if that's maybe a tactical thing we've worked on as well in terms of people dropping back and, and giving options, but maybe that's helping rather than you know attempting a clearance, it going straight to their players and then just kind of coming straight back on us. Now we've we've got options done to to play out from the back. Dawn. Um it's uh, uh yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that, Tom. I think the the narrowness is obviously when you are being a defensive unit, you want to be narrow and you want to try and block your own own goal i think the more expensive you add the more holes you have in behind and um and, and within the team people can play through you i think possession wise we're a lot better i think with balasser and hackney it felt like we were picking all the right passes yesterday and obviously if you're better on the ball most of the time you kind of limit the ability for a team to to try and counter you transition wise we can always be a bit suspect but that comes with every single team we always have a some sort of defensive weakness but also like they were saying like last week on the pod like our shape's a little bit different from probably previous year where last year was a 3-2-5. This year, I noticed a lot yesterday that Tommy Smith was coming in central and trying to fill up those gaps where we had previously. I think that's been really helpful as well. But also, Sandy Dieng's been good too. And I think finally, we're just not given many chances away this year. I think the chances we've given away in the early games have been mainly from mistakes and I haven't really seen us being caught open too much just yet and um, with touch wood obviously that doesn't happen uh, much more but the, the 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 final question is from josh and he says where does the burgundy sweater rank in carrick's outfits now that is a lovely burgundy uh sweater and you can see rooney looking on and she are jealous and, and, dis- <laughs> and disgusted the, the envy um he's saying i wish i could look good in a burgundy sweater and tom what do you think where, where, do, you, where do you think this this outfit ranks for for, for michael carrick well, it was a new one, wasn't it? And 100% mm. win rate now. So I, I think you you don't change a winning team and you don't change a winning jumper. I think that needs to <laughs> to make an appearance at the 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, big fan of Carrick's outfits. You know, this needs to be a staple of what's to come in, across board Twitter and social media. And, you know, I really, really enjoy that. And we need more of it. We need more of it, guys. So that's my plea to Borough fans to keep uh, focusing on these things. Um, but let's move on. Uh, Shouts Island, we spoke about last week. I just wanted to address the elephant in the room because I know people will be tuning in saying, Johnny, Marcus Foss, is he in or is he out? Um, look, we, we've thought long and hard on this. And, you know, we put a ball up. Uh, yesterday. It was very tight, of course. We was very tight uh, for us as well in, in the podcast. But where do we stand with this right now? I feel like the fans need a decision today. Um, so what are we doing with Marcus Foss? Is he in or is he out, Dana? What do you think? Well, I think I made my opinion clear on the Sunland one. He is not in, which is a shame because I did quite like the idea that Tom mentioned of putting him in the sun, in the Teletubbies sun. But I just don't, we need the context of it. Like if someone could let us know what Marcus Force's intention was with that, because I'm not convinced it was towards the Sunland fans, which would change it, I think, so... Not in Shithouse Island yet, but there is time for him to get in there. Okay, so so Marcus, um, if you are listening or you're watching us on YouTube, just we'll we'll reach out in the next twenty four hours and we'll ask the question. If you, but you know we we can only do uh, what we can, you know. But the standards very high this season on, on Shithouse Island, and we want you can't just join. The, you know, it's just they're not memberships are free, and, and they just all the drinks. But um, it's just you know. <laughs> It's the standards. It's the standard. But there was a bit of, uh, I'd say, shithousery yesterday, actually, um, at half time, because David Wheater took a penalty and then went on to celebrate. And we're going to come into to Nice Like Hub now, but David Wheater, you are an absolute shithouse for scoring against an eight year old and celebrating. <laughs> It's a good knee slide, though, to be fair. Like, he gives it some welly, doesn't he? As soon as he did it, I was like, yeah, that's knee slide club. And it's the conviction of it. It's the arms out. It's the skidded jeans, probably. He actually said we asked him if uh, if his jeans are okay. And he said that, uh, yeah, because he went to... <laughs> He went to the World Buffet or whatever it was in, in um, the Cleveland Centre wearing them. So, yeah, it's a very, very good one. I, You know what? For David Wheat's knee slide, I think you give that a 10. I think he's absolutely knocked that out of the park, to be fair to him. Oh, Tom, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's a 10. The, 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 the fact that he's done it in jeans, I'd, I'd have maybe said mm. like minus one for the fact that he's just scored past an eight-year-old. But then also like plus one for doing that knee slide in jeans and having that commitment. So yeah, I think it's gotta gotta be a ten. Yeah, there's a moment in it, Dana. Um, if you don't mind. He scores the penalty and you go, Yep, you know, you scored against an eight year old. But he runs, he runs there. It's just the the split the... second where he goes. And he nearly in takes Tom Banks out. Yeah, he's in the air, he's ready for that knee slide, and it's just a lovely glide across the pitch over the line. Um, and into the fans as well and you could definitely see that the groundsman absolutely fuming so absolute <laughs> shit house uh you are there but i absolutely love that from you it was brilliant but let's move on now to the present place Hello and welcome to the praising place. The praising place is the place where to give praise to a player staff member. David Wheat's knee slide and so, so much more. Um, I was very excited about the praising place this week because uh, there's so <laughs> much to praise uh, in the world of Millsville right now. But Dana, I'll let you go first on this one. Who is in your place in the praising place this week? 
I'm going to go with Paddy McNair because it was mentioned on Tease yesterday. I've wanted to praise Paddy McNair since the Bradford game, but I think there was too many people to praise that he just unfortunately missed out. But I think Paddy McNair has flown well under the radar in recent games and he's weirdly gone from being a genuine fan favourite, someone that a lot of the fans really like, to being a scapegoat. And I feel like that's kind of unfair, to be honest. Like, obviously, there's <clears throat> there's criticism of him and it's a lot of the time it is quite fair but it always seems to be pick up Paddy but I quite liked his performance yesterday there was a moment in particular where I think it was Bielik had a shot and it stung the the palms of of Senny Dieng who kind of parried it out and then Paddy McNair was there like a flash to to kind of um to clear it away and I'd quite like to praise Paddy because a lot of the time he does get stick and I quite like praising players that get stick. So I'm going to put him in there. And then I have to mention this because I promised I would put him in there. I've got to put Tom's dad in there because last week my laptop crumbled a bit like Sunderland did and it came off the hinge and he was on it and he fixed it. So I have to put Jace in the praising place. If you do want any mechanical repairs on your, your laptops, technologically so, God, I word that horrifically, Go to Jace. I am unfortunate to report, though, that my laptop lid with all the stickers on it is gone, so I'm going to hold a vigil for this. But my laptop's intact, so that's great. And if ever your laptop's going to break, do it during the international break. So, yeah, Jace. J- Paddy McNair and Jace uh, are in yeah. the praise of place this week. <laughs> nice. Do you want to put your dad in there as well, Tom? <laughs> yeah, yeah, me, me as well. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's done a good thing for this podcast. And like Dan has just said, if anyone has any mechanical issues with their laptop, go to me dad at RepairWise. There you go. There you are yours, 50 quid now, Jess. Uh, what? Who said that? Uh, who said that? Uh, uh, Tom, seriously, who was in, in your uh, present place this week? I'm, I'm going to go on the midfield too for for my present place this week for another week in a, in a row. Dan Barlass has been doing well, improving his game. Like I said, right at the start of the season, for me, it was the progressing the ball and ball carrying, which was the weakness in his game. But then since he's came back into the team and taken his chance, it hasn't been. He's He's been doing much better at that and deserves the, the starting place in the team at the moment. And Hayden Hackney is probably going to be in there all season for how much I'm just enjoying watching him at, at the moment because... And I'm pretty sure I said this last week as well. He looks better every game, and yesterday was no exception. It was it was such a good performance from him. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And you know, for me, I I, I said earlier in the show I just love Dan Ballas as a footballer. I think he's just amazing. Um, I hope he gets keeps getting better and better because I just feel like bringing him in was just fantastic. And just there was a moment yesterday where Dieng played the ball out to him, and he just. He just let the ball come across him and just turn the defending. It was just oh, just stunning, absolutely stunning. Um, but for me, I think there was a moment in the game which goes into my present place this week, and it was from Senny Dieng. And, you know, McNair plays the ball back to him, and he just looks up, uh, gets the ball to his feet, and then just pings it about 30, 40 yards to Isaiah Jones. And Jones' touch is actually bang on as well. Obviously, it doesn't really come to, to much, but the ball was just superb. And Senny Dieng, for me, like his distribution is absolutely fantastic. And... It needs to to be praised again, and also I want to praise my boy Lucas Engel. You know he's getting better and better each week. I mean, he did try to headbutt someone stupidly, and I was like, for goodness sake, Lucas, what are you doing? Um, but again, confidence improving each week, and I thought he was going to score an absolute rocket um, for the second game in a row, and it's going to happen. And has no right to score from there. Um, but you know, 
and it's he didn't. Keep fall down. And he, and he, yeah, he had no right, and yes, Not he yet. didn't. But it's happening. It's going to happen. Um, and I think just finally, I think there's obviously there's going to be praise across across the team. But I just want to give a shout out to Morgan Rogers as well. You know, scoring his first league goal for us um, at the Riverside as well, and you could sense it meant a lot to him. And it's always nice to kind of see someone come on and do well. And you know, we have got a really young squad, and it's just nice to to see. Uh, these players come on and um, I kind of felt like yesterday that I was in a bit of a football manager save when I was like looking across the benches and there was like Rooney, there's uh, Carrick, there's Woodgate, um, there's obviously Mike Taylor, the goalkeeper, um, if, if people can remember remember him, Ashley Cole as well, what a five-side team, and John O'Shea as well, like what a five-side team that could be. I just felt like I just kind of just like dropped myself into a football manager save, but it was just very odd. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm am I getting to an age now where this is the norm? Um but yeah, I always remember seeing yeah. all those players growing up and you know you idolized them and all the coaches. It's just amazing to see. Um but let's move on now. Let's talk about Norwich. Um and it's my favorite part of the show. It's the part of the show where I call this is trivia time. Uh, so that, well, that, that's catchy. Uh, but my trivia question for this week is, and uh, if you're at home, you're in the car, you're watching this or walking the dogs, whatever, it's time to, to put the question in, and you can hopefully play along with this one. Um, but Middlesbrough drew 4-4 with Norwich in 2005 at Carroll Road. We were leading 4-1 uh, and considered three in the last 10 minutes to draw. But can you name the Borough scorers that day. The 30-second clock starts now. Bop that is, man. It just hits different, isn't it? Um, oh, just putting the timer again. Sorry. Especially Apologies. when it starts again. Apologies. <laughs> it was enjoying uh, it so is... much, you played it again. Like five minutes yeah. of pig bag that one time. Yeah, I mean, you know, just just deafening our listeners like the PS system yesterday. Um, <laughs> which actually, to be fair, Bori, you know, you probably listened to this, so it was good just a bit too loud. And maybe I'm getting a bit too old for this. Uh, but anyway, let's name the scorers for that uh, Tom Green, I will let you go first this week. Who were the Borough scorers in 2005 in that 4-4 draw against Norwich? I'm, I'm pretty sure I won't have got this right, which is annoying because I remember listening to that game on Century FM. But I've gone for Hasselbank, Boateng and Downing. I'm going to guess Hasselbank scored too. Okay. And Dana, who are you going to go for? I've gone Hasselbank and Quadru too. Okay. So... Danny, you are correct. Um, it was Hasselbank 2 so. and Quidru 2. Um, I need to take the answers out of this document that I read off. Hey, um, I was doing Norwich yeah. research, so I looked back at some other games head-to-head, and obviously that one sticks out. So I should I should think I would remember that considering I was literally looking at it yesterday. Fair enough. But if you are watching us uh, on uh, YouTube or you, you listen to us, and just tweet us as well, see if you got that one correct. Uh, as well it's always good to know if you're, you're playing along uh with us but let's look ahead now to the midweek game against Norwich and we always get a fan on to speak about Norwich's season and we spoke to Matty Sokol who is from our neck of the woods in, in Middlesbrough to find out a little bit more about the Canaries this summer and their start of the season 
Hello, mate. Thanks for having me on again. I appreciate you uh, you reaching out. Uh, for those that don't know me, my name is Matthew Sorkell. I am a Teesside-based Norwich City fan, which um, you might struggle to get your head around. I struggle to get my head around it at times. Tom's asked me to uh, send over a few pointers ahead of uh, Tuesday night's game, which I'm really not looking forward to, especially after Middlesbrough did the double over us last, uh, last season. So uh, let's start the, the, uh, in the summer. We, we had a, an interesting window. We brought in a bit of experience, a bit of know-how. Stacey's been a really good signing from Bournemouth. Ashley Barnes has looked a good sign until he got injured recently. Uh, we brought in Duffy, big centre-back. The, the jury's still out with him a little bit. He's, he's brought a good bit of physicality, which we missed uh, in recent years, as is, as is Ashley Barnes. But defensively, he's a little bit suspect, um, as is, uh, and, and I know the Borough fans won't like me saying this, but as is Ben Gibson, uh, unfortunately. So, And they're likely to be the, the two starting centre-backs. So I think Middlesbrough can really get at them on, on Tuesday night and, uh, and, and cause some problems. In terms of the season so far, we've... We've been really hot and cold and we looked good at the start of the season. We had a, a really good run. We were top of the league at one point. It was bizarre, really, because it was us and Ipswich at the top for maybe only for a few hours. But certainly, I think after the Huddersfield game, there was uh, there was a lot of optimism when we beat Huddersfield 4-0 away uh, and we were going really, really strong. So then had a few slippery results, really. We got beat at Rotherham away, which you think, well, that's a team that you should be beating. And then there was an international break and we've kind of really struggled since the first international break. In September, really, I think we're now five in seven in terms of defeats, uh, which is is relegation form, really. I'm not saying it's going to get to that. Yeah, we're not we're not really playing very well at the moment. We were two up against Leeds at half time yesterday uh, in the Saturday three o'clock game, and I'm not too sure how we were two up to be honest. Um, Leeds were not not clinical enough. They weren't they weren't the usual selves in that first half. Despite that, they felt aggrieved to have not gone in level, um, because frankly, for a, every Norwich fan that watched it. Uh, like I did, they'd be lying if they didn't, if they weren't to say that Leeds deserved to go in level at least because they had two or three guilt edge chances that on another day if they hit the target they go in. So we're very exposed at the back far too frequently. Like I said earlier, we're there to be got out on Tuesday night. I think going forward we're okay, but we're definitely missing Barnes. We're definitely missing Josh Sargent. Those two got injured within the space of a couple of weeks, and we've not really looked the same team since. The the focal point of everything was. Barnes would hold it up and Sargent would make good runs in behind and Adam Eder just he's just not that type of striker that's uh, that's going to get you 10, 20 goals a season, unfortunately. So David Wagner's playing the cards that he's got at the moment because we, we've had a few bad injuries and a few uh, bits of bad luck. But at the same time, the changes that he's making and the, the, the starting 11s, they're a bit uninspiring. It's a bit, I don't know, the fans are starting to get a little bit, a little bit uncomfortable with some of the stuff that he's doing and... I really, really do struggle to see us getting three points on Tuesday. I think we, I think we might get a point, we might get a draw, um, but the form that Middles were in after beating, um, I, I'm going to say it, Wayne Rooney's Birmingham City uh, at the weekend, I would probably have to say that Middles were favourites, and it, and it makes us, it makes us uncomfortable really when we think about the fact that we've a defeat against Leeds on Saturday, a potential defeat against Middlesbrough on on Tuesday, and then we've got Sunderland on on Saturday at the weekend coming, so. You know, we could we could start this international break with three defeats on the bounces. There's every chance that that happens. And then we've got Blackburn early November and that, that won't be an easy game. So it's not looking too optimistic at the moment, I, 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 don't, I don't think, as an Irish fan, unfortunately. Despite that really good start to the season and we're playing some decent football, but something is just not right at the moment. Something's not clicking. So for me, I'm going to say that Middlesbrough are uh, a favourite ahead of Tuesday night and... That'll really rub the salt into the wound of a bit of a naff weekend. And I'm just getting off the back of a cold and I could do with a bit of a pick-me-up, but I don't think Tuesday night's going to be the, the one to do that, I'm afraid. So uh, my prediction for the game would be uh, Middlesbrough will win 2-1.
Thank you very much uh, for that, Matty. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's always very odd hearing a Teesside accent and uh, being a, a fan of a different team. They did, really did have a good start, Norwich. You know, they were top of the league, perhaps out a couple of points, and started off really well. And I thought, well, they might have turned the corner under David Wagner. And, you know, I remember seeing them at the at the Riverside last season, how expansive they were. And Middlesbrough just cut them apart time and time again. So I'm very, very intrigued to see how they've resolved those issues as we go into the game on Tuesday. But guys, how are we predicting this one? Obviously, it's a massive game for Borough as well. If we win again, this is a really big opportunity for us to kind of climb back in, that play, in those playoff places for the first time this season and back where we have were for the majority of last as well. So, Tom, what's your prediction for the week? I will come to you as well for your Tom's better the week too, but just the... <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your predictions for, for Bora's game? You know what, as, as a prediction, I'm going to go 2-0. I'm going to say that the the clean sheets continue for Borough. It's interesting because I was looking at the table and we now have exactly the same record as Norwich in terms of wins, draws and losses, but it looks like we're going one way and they're going the other way and that's what's caused uh, that similarity. It was funny because I, I was talking to Matty this morning after he sent his voice note over and I was like, you're far too pessimistic there. Your defo's winning on on Tuesday. And then he replied with, you said that last time. And I did, and we won 5-1. <laughs> um, so, who knows? But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go 2-0 and the, the clean sheets continue. Show goes on. Show goes on. Yeah. Dana, what's your, what's your predictions? Uh, I think I'm going to go with a 3-1 Middlesbrough victory. Just a few things on Norwich from Connor Southwell, who is a reporter at the Pinken. He's showing the form table. Nobody has conceded more goals in the last six matches than Norwich, and only three teams have taken fewer points. So he says they're in a little bit of a rut at the moment. I think there's a few fans that are maybe questioning David Wagner quite, a lot, I mean, especially coming off the back of that defeat to Leeds in which Daniel Farker is in charge of of them. Kind of stings a little bit for Norwich because I think there's a few fans of theirs that don't feel like he should have been sacked. So a bit of a bad feeling there. I don't think they will have improved so much defensively. So I think this is, this is the game where we get a 3-1 victory, I hope. So that's what I'm going to go for. And obviously, if you follow this podcast for a while, you know that Dennis Dad Dave absolutely loves a 3-1. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Borough, but it's time for the Tom's bet of the week. Tom, uh, what are you predicting and what is your bet for the week? Well, after Tommy Smith went off with an Achilles injury yesterday, I'm assuming that Rab van den Berg is going to be coming back in at right back. So I'll be going for him on an anytime scorer and probably something to do with corners and stuff to, to boost the odds up again. And just to reiterate what I've said in previous podcasts, I may get the goal scorer right, but I haven't won any of these bet builders yet, so don't follow me. Um, this is why we do it. We put in Tom's uh, betting tips, really highlighting you know, his losses. Anyway, all right, but that's good, guys. Thank you very much uh, for joining me, as, as always. And to listeners, the viewers, thank you very much for watching us and listening to us as well on your podcast provider. So don't forget uh, to subscribe on your podcast provider and on YouTube. Don't forget to give us a thumbs up and a follow and all that kind of fun stuff. But for right now, Bora flying and Naili in the top six, but we've won Super Six. And hopefully, fingers crossed, it's the seventh in a row on Tuesday. But this has been the Bora Breakdown podcast, and that was our Bora Master Chat in a pod of the Bora Breakdown. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. 
We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.